Welcome to the Peak Community Church Podcast, where weekly messages are available for your hearing. Twenty-one days of hunger. Starting off the year seeking God first. Putting ourselves, mortifying the flesh. Seeking really just to weaken the flesh so that the spirit man can rise up and take control. Right? Because we know that the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh. And both are contrary to one another, according to scriptures. And if they're contrary to one another and there's a war, a conflict that's taking place inside each and every one of us, inside the mind, right? The things that I really want to do because I know that they're righteous. But, you know, there's a certain level of laziness that kind of comes in, comfortability and, and what have you. And, and, and that weighs on the conscience because sin is not just doing the wrong things. Sin is also not doing the right things. Because if you know the good to do it and don't do it, that's a sin of omission. That means God gave you an opportunity, you didn't capitalize on it. And then there's the sins of commission, the things that you know you're not supposed to do, and yet you find yourself doing them. And so if the flesh is contrary to the spirit and the spirit is contrary to the flesh, how? How do, how do you strengthen? How do you, how do you build one up and, 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 and break the other one down? If there's two dogs that are going into the fight, if you starve the one and feed the other one, where are you going to put your money? Not that, not that you bet. It's a metaphor. <laughs> it's an analogy. <laughs> who, who wins? Obviously, it's the one you feed. And fasting is about what? Feeding the spirit and breaking down the flesh. And when we do that, as we've done it, here we are 21 days later. And my prayer is that God would break off every one of those shackles, every one of those chains that would weigh us down. The thought processes, the chatter that takes in, the distractions that happens, the noise in our heads, in our hearts, and, and, and the lack of focus, the lack of being able to, to, to be attentive. And that God would release that so that we can live for him. And work for him. Amen? Amen. And so uh, immediately after this service, don't run out. Um, we got Forget About It Deli coming in. Sophie's going to bring in some, some Italian combo sandwiches, some chicken cutlet with some roasted peppers on the side. And we got some salads. And, and, and we're going to break bread together. Amen? Amen? So you don't have to run out unless you, got, unless you have to run out, obviously. But... Um, Hopefully you could stay and, 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 and fellowship a little while, while while we eat. I'm ready to eat. In fact, I'm so ready to eat that I only, I only actually plan to preach for like 20 minutes. <laughs> and I'm glad I did because with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit breakout this morning. What a, what a sweet aroma to just be within the presence of the Lord. I know that there was deliverance in this house. I know God revealed some things. There was some word uh, of knowledge that were spoken here this morning. And so I just want to nourish and nurture those seeds that were planted within the spiritual realm. Amen? Amen. A couple of weeks ago, we started a, a sermon series called Hashtag I Believe. That's the title of the series, I Believe. And the series is planted and rooted within the Apostles' Creed. And, and I, I, I felt the Lord really impressing this on me to share this message because I think that as Christians, 
Um, we, we stand for something that's a little different. The world seems to be marching to their own drum, but we have, we have the Lord's drum. And we march to his beat, not the world's beat. And sometimes that makes us look a little offbeat to the rest of the world. Peculiar people, a holy nation, a holy priesthood. I tell you this, that the more, the darker the world gets, the brighter we become. And I don't know if you've ever, uh, uh, you know, went to a matinee and, and sat in the movie theater in an afternoon and caught a good movie and sat in that darkness for about two hours. And then you got to come out to the light of day. Right? That's tough. I mean, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts on the eyes. You can't even, like, see. Guess what? If the light of Jesus Christ is shining in you, to a world that's in darkness, you're going to be offensive. If you're holding on to the truth and you're not willing to compromise truth, conviction, the more offensive you're going to become to a world who wants to do their own thing. And be prepared for that. I believe that what we need to do is learn how to speak truth in love. I think what we need to do is learn how to become relational with people. Because the fact of the matter is, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And we can only build relationships with people. And it's through building relationships with people that they wind up having the trust. And then when, you have, when, when, when they have your trust, and, and you have their trust, then you can get into some of the deep and intimate things. Some correction. It's not always encouragement. We need to have encouragement with correction. But how do you correct if someone doesn't understand what they believe? We, we live in a post-Christian world right now where, where uh, you know, for, being, for, for the United States being a Christian nation, most of our young people are biblically illiterate. They don't know the stories of uh, 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 Samson and Delilah. They don't know the stories of Jonah and the whale or the big fish, technically, theologically correct. They don't know the stories that I know I kind of grew up with. You kind of mentioned the name of Jesus and people are, are off. And if we have Christians that call themselves Christians, that, that claim to be believers and, and walk, or go to church, but if you don't know what you believe, then how can you defend it? If someone's going to combat uh, an absolute truth that you adhere to, how can you possibly have the ground to stand on if you can't explain it, if you can't describe it, or you can't show through scriptures why you believe what you believe, or even be able to define what exactly is it that you believe? People call themselves a Christian, but yet they deny Jesus as Messiah. They call themselves as Christian, but they believe that they can, you know, make their own choices and decisions. That's not what it is to be a Christian. A Christian is to be a Christ follower, to be a disciple. That means that I'm not going to live my life the way I want to live it. I'm going to live my life the way he's asking me to live it. He is king. And I may still have some fleshy stuff on me, but I surrender myself. 
to a king. I believe. I mentioned Albert Moeller in his book. He, he, he wrote this quote, All Christians believe more than what's contained in the Apostles' Creed, but none can believe less. We, we all, as Christians, to be called a Christian, have to come into agreement and have to adhere at the very minimal to the proclamations declared within the Creed. We, we've seen that we've had every major denomination that adheres to the word of the creed, from the Orthodox Church to the Roman Catholic Church to the Reformed and Protestant churches, all have adopted the Apostles' Creed in one way or another in their systems of what they believe. The creed is a proclamation that starts with a declaration. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Last week we spoke on how we believe in God, the Father Almighty, and we, met, we titled that message, Father God. We as Christians must, must stand firm together on the essential truths of what the scriptures say and understand what they mean. We don't put our trust and in, in hope in an ordinary God. The, this world will speak about God and gods and, and, and speak in the ambiguous terms. But, but we know who God is because the concept of the Christian faith begins with the affirmation of the God who is, who spoke, and who revealed himself through history. How did he reveal himself through history? Through his word. Through the prophets. In fact, we see through the scriptures that even as we see creation and its design, that, that creation would speak of the invisible attributes of God. Whenever you see an explosion, what's the aftermath of the explosion? Poof! Where things land? Here, there, everywhere. Explosions create division. It creates separation. It creates destruction. Huh? It, it, explosions, you'll, you'll, you'll never see an explosion and see things fall into alignment. In fact, if you were to walk out into, 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 into the parking lot and you see a bunch of change on the floor, it's spread out, you'd think, wow, somebody must have dropped their change. But what happens if you went outside and on the floor in, in the parking lot, you see five quarters stacked on top of each other, three dimes stacked on top of each other, five pennies right on top of each other, kind of in order, right? Like, are you going to think that, oh, somebody dropped their change? No, that's foolish, right? I mean, how's that going to happen? Someone deliberately sat there and put these stacks of change in, in, in their own groupings and in their own little stacks. Obviously, that's the conclusion that you would come to. How is it possible that we would look upon this world and its intricate designs and think that an explosion made this happen? Come on. There's an, there's an intelligent designer that wove creation into existence and who spoke life over it. And this person has revealed himself as God. He revealed himself as a triune God, a.k.a. the Holy Trinity. Now, the Holy Trinity is a mystery. Many of us can't even really grasp our, 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 our minds around it because God is God. He's God the Father, and the Lord your God is one. He is one God. 
But this one God has revealed himself in three personages throughout history and throughout the scriptures. We, we see him as, as he is God, our father. We, we see him as he is God, the son. And, and we see him as he is God, the Holy Spirit. Now, now, God is the Father, and the Father is God, and God is the Son, and the Son is God, and God is the Spirit, and the Spirit is God. However, the Father is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father. We have these three personages that operate as one, as one in perfect harmony, in the hypostatic union of what we acknowledge and see through scriptures as the Holy Trinity. Now, the first person of the Trinity has revealed himself not only as our father, amen? Psalm 68, 5, a father of the fatherless, a, a defender of widows. But he is also our father. He is our father almighty, El Shaddai, the God who is all powerful. And, and when we look at him as all powerful, we have to bring in the attributes that make him all powerful. He is omnipotent. He is all power, contains all power. He is omniscient. There's nothing outside of his knowledge, nothing that he does not know. He knows all things. There is no mountain that you can climb or no valley that you can descend or no ocean so deep that you would be able to hide from him. He knows and sees all things. He is omnipresent. He is in all places at all times. Now we got to recognize that his omnipresence. Why? Because oftentimes it's like, oh, but where is God? Huh? Oh, but God, I'm praying. Why don't I see you? Oh, God, where are you? I, I love it when people say, man, you know what? I found Jesus. And I'm like, man, Jesus was never lost. What are you talking about? You didn't find him. He found you. And you better be grateful that he called you, that, that you heard his word and you, you, you knew his voice and you were drawn unto him because the Bible says no one comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws him nigh. He's omnipresent. It's, it's not God who moves position. It's us. Our hearts move far from the Lord. How do, you, how, how do sheep get lost? One blade of grass at a time. You're all hanging out. They got their heads down. There's one little blade of grass, and I'm going to eat over here. Ooh, that grass looks really green over there. I'm going to eat that, and I'm just going to keep eating and eating. One blade of grass at a time. Next thing you know, where is everybody? Where is everybody? God is all places at all times. He is omnipresent. Two last attributes of his all-powerfulness, El Shaddai. He is self-existing, meaning that he has no beginning and has no end. He was in birth, he was and is. How can you even grasp that? Because time, time is something that we're always dealing with. Time is something that, that confines us. Time is always pressuring us, huh? Especially here in this world with all of this, you know, real time information, push notifications and news and what's happening across the world. You're, you're seeing it as it's happening right now. Pressure and time. Where I gotta go? When's my next meeting? I mean, the day only has 24 hours. Time. He is not captured by time. Time does not rule over him. He is eternal. He is self-existing and he is immutable. 
meaning that he does not change. He, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And when we speak about God, we have to understand that we're speaking about God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Look at your neighbor and tell him he is creator. He is creator. And in his almighty power, he created the heavens and the earth. If you would open up your Bibles, we're going to go into Genesis 1-1. A passage of scripture that I'm sure everyone is pretty much familiar with. In the beginning. In the beginning. Who, who's got the, the TikToks? <laughs> Sorry. That was... In the beginning. That would only make sense if... <laughs> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're going to leave it right there. Amen. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for this morning. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you even through the worship. You said, O oh, Father God, that we enter into your gates with thanksgiving and praise. And as our praises go up, O oh God, we know that your blessings come down. And so I just pray right now, Lord God, that your plan and your purpose for this day will be fulfilled. Fill my mouth with the words that this particular congregation needs to hear. And I pray, oh, Father God, that you would have your way. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God, El Elohim, created bara. That Hebrew word for create, bara, is used in the Old Testament. And it's used only in the Old Testament to divine activity. This, is, this word, bara, is, is only applied to God creator. Yahweh alone serves as the grammatical subject of bara. You'll only see that word being used when it's being used in the context of the living God. And, and, and what it does is that it implies that the writer wanted to emphasize that people, you and I cannot create the way Yahweh creates. He creates from El Nihohel. That means from nothing. Out of nothing. He makes things happen. Hallelujah. You and I can't do that. I mean, we can create a table, but we need some wood. I'm talking about he's the one that spoke the word into existence and brought it forth out of nothing. Hallelujah. The verb bara also conveys the idea of ordering or determining function. Suggesting that God's creative activity consists of bringing proper order and function to the cosmos. That which was in chaos, his word brings forth and brings order. It's not an explosion that creates things. He thinks he'll, he'll take the things that were in an explosion and bring them together and restore. Because he's a restorer. Hallelujah. Isaiah 40, 26 says, lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. Who brings out their hosts by number? He calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might, his power and the strength. Hallelujah. Not one is missing. He is the sustainer of life. Every star that we see in the sky, he knows them by name. I mean, scientists and astrologers and uh, uh, hordologers, the studies of the 
guys. Harvest Gulf. They, they, they could calculate, and they got, you know, the G9, 17, 4, 5, 6, 3, and they, they, they look and they classify these stars, and, and they try to number them. They try to name them. They try to do only what God can do. They ascribe these false names, but God knows each and every one of them stars by name. God is our Father Almighty. He is our Father. He is all-powerful. He is the Creator of the heavens and earth. When you say that you serve God, you got to know that you can say that with the full confidence and authority that God is not just a God that serves your imagination, but that God is the God that created everything that we see and touch and feel as the heavens and the earth. And he's the one that brought it forth. Nehemiah 9.6 says, You alone are the Lord. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. All of heaven. Everything. Let everything that has breath. Come on. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord Hallelujah. It's interesting to note uh, with this, this Old Testament passage of Nehemiah, you, you do realize that there are, there's a multidimensional aspect to the heavens, right? People want to talk about heaven, but you know that the Bible speaks of the heavens in a plural sense. In fact, if we read the New Testament, we'll see in an occasion where Paul was almost translated into the seventh heaven. He saw, he saw things that he couldn't even kind of utter. And, and what happens is that physically, we're here, we're born physically, we're born of water. And our only reality becomes what? What we can touch, what we can taste, what we can feel. The physical realm. But Jesus said that, surely I say unto you, for you to enter into the kingdom of heaven, one must be born again. Come on. So wait, hold on a second. Wait, 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 wait a minute. What do you mean? Nicodemus, I'm supposed to go back into my mother's womb? What do you mean I can be born again? And Jesus kind of, you know, laughingly tells him, you're a teacher of such great things, and yet you can't even understand these fundamental principles. One must first be born of water. What's, what's being born of water? Born from the mother's womb. What happens right before she's about to give birth? Her water breaks. So one must have that, that, that water birth, that physical birth. But when we have that physical birth, we're born in sin. Original sin is already there within us. So what he's saying is like, you know, everyone that wants to enter into heaven, we, well, we've got to have this physical birth first. And while we're here, be able to then have a spiritual birth. That means that the veil is revealed. It gets pulled back. God begins to give us some glimpses. I mean, it, we don't see it as clearly as we want to, but but uh, um, there's there's a superhero superhero. There's a you know uh, uh, his name is Daredevil. <laughs> I don't I don't know where my where my superhero fans are, my Marvel fans, and the, uh, but Daredevil was a blind guy who had these heightened senses of sound and taste and and kind of like a sonar. So although he was blind as a bat. 
he was blind as a bat. He could still see and sense everything that was around him. He didn't see the way you and I saw, but he was still able to see. We are able to see. We get glimpses within the spiritual realm. We can't see it completely clearly, but God gives us the opportunity to sense it, to feel it. When we come around certain people, there's a vibe that we can get. There's, there's an acknowledgement. Even people that you would never even know of. You, you go on a plane, you're going on a trip, and you start talking, and, and you don't, you've never met this person in life, and just out of a clear conversation, and, and just the joy, the, God gives a confirmation. The Bible says you would know them by the love that they have for one another. And you could go up to a complete stranger and start this conversation. Yo, are you a Christian? Are you a believer? Yeah, man, I've been serving the Lord. What? I've been serving. All of a sudden, the defenses are down. All of a sudden, you're able to build on the things of the Lord. Man, you know Jesus the way I know Jesus. I know you, you share those testimonies. Now you're no longer strangers. You're immediately at that moment. You feel like you're with a brother. You feel like you're with a sister. There's a familiarity that comes along with that. If I know that you're going to live your life the same way I'm trying to live my life, I know I can let those defenses down a little bit. But to open up the heavens, to be able to maneuver within spiritual realms, is not to look upon this world with the eyes, it's to look upon this world with the Spirit. Close your eyes and sense what the Holy Spirit is saying. Close your eyes and begin to declare those things that are not as if though they are. God gives us opportunity to become co-creators with him. To, to move and advance his agenda here on earth as it is in heaven. According to the scriptures, we engage these spiritual realms and spiritual warfare. And God, through his Holy Spirit, gives us these glimpses, allows us to sense and feel through these realms of the spiritual world. Amen? Amen. You know that this uh, Old Testament uh, linguistic language of, of in the beginning God created the heavens and, and the earth, it's a, it's a beautiful visual language. Um, but, but it was not just only for the Old Testament See, the Bible speaks of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The, that word darkness is a Hebrew word that, that really means chaos. The very thing that you would get after an explosion. And that's what was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That which was alive. Water represents life. And, and this life was in this chaos. It was in this darkness. It was revolting. It was bad. And God said and spoke. His Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. Almost containing that which was going out of order. He was bringing order to it. Then God said. Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Here we see right in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, creation as it started. But this wasn't just creation. In many instances, as we study this out, you can even read some commentaries. It was almost as if Genesis 1-1 was a recreation. Because that which was there and in order became disordered. 
that which, which had some substance became chaotic. And God steps in and begins to speak over it. And as he speaks over it, creation begins to fall into alignment. And, and, and the same linguistical style that was uh, written in Moses in, in Genesis, it was mirrored. It, it was duplicated. It was repeated in the New Testament. How many people know that in the New Testament, whenever you see something said twice, it's important? Right? Jesus, when he said, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, that means, you know, there's an exclamation mark onto it. There's a, an asterisk. Pay close attention. This is, this is important. And because this was so important, not only do we have the account of Genesis 1, 1 through 5, but, but John, as he begins his story of beginnings, his eyewitness account of Jesus' life, I'm sure it'll sound familiar. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. John purposefully John intentionally borrows the language from Moses in Genesis and uses it to begin the book of his own beginnings, his own Genesis, and declares how Jesus is the one and the same with Elohim, El Shaddai of the Old Testament. Acts 14, 15 says, And preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that are in them. That which he spoke became. Through what he breathed, everything was developed. I'll close with this last scripture. Oof, right on time. I'm going to close with this last scripture in, in Hebrews 11.3. By faith, by faith, what we believe and hold as true. By faith. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things uh, uh, hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Hebrews gives us this definition. And so faith is what? Things that I'm, I'm, I'm placing my hope in the Lord. Uh, it's out of my control. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender this unto you, O oh God. Uh, uh, this is my faith and my surrender. Now, when I see the manifestation of God come upon that situation and answer to prayer, my faith now increases. This is the development of my faith. Faith isn't just a hope. Faith is the knowledge that the things that I hope for, God's going to give me the evidence and bring it to manifestation. I don't believe blindly. I believe because I serve a God that shows up when I call out his name. I believe because the things that I've surrendered unto him in my life, he has brought to fruition the things that the devil intended to destroy me. Through faith, God has used it to my benefit. By faith, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the, what? Word of God. 
so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Come on. This is what we declare. <laughs> what we believe. In, the, in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, our Lord. Get ready for next week. Because the next part of this, we're going to go into how the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And how we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Hallelujah. Full of grace and truth. And we're going to dive into the second person of the Holy Trinity. We believe in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to give some instructions before we break out. We're going to close out in prayer. Um, as, as we break out, um, you're going to see some movements. Fellowship, go over, you know, stand over on the side. Um, the, the team's going to come out. We're going to bring some tables out this right down this area. So basically, just so you know what they're going to do is they're going to take a row and face, turn it around to face each other, and bring a rectangle table in between two rows that are facing each other. Amen. So it's pretty simple. They're just going to pull out, turn, and bring tables right down the middle. Amen. Now we're going to bless this food. And I'm going to bless you as a church. But I'd like to ask, is there anyone here who does not yet know the Lord? Who wants to receive His grace this morning? Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me this morning? Maybe you've heard of God. Maybe you've heard of Jesus. But something happened this morning. Maybe the Lord revealed something that you didn't see before. Or you understand something a little bit deeper. And God's stirring something inside of you. I don't know what you're carrying in the weight and guilt and the shame. <laughs> the adversary, man, he's cunning. He's cunning. But I'm here to declare to you this morning that you don't have to carry that. You don't have to live with the weight and the burden of, 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 of poor choices or, or, or ignorant mistakes. God wants to heal you completely. He wants to make you whole. He wants to wipe the slate clean and give you a fresh start. My God, this is available to us every day. Every day. What we have to do is come to Him. Come to Him and ask Him to forgive. Do you need forgiveness this morning? While everybody's eyes are closed and everybody's head is bowed, if, if you need forgiveness, if you need a touch from Jesus this morning to lighten your load, if you want to secure your eternal salvation and know that your life is covered under His blood, if that's you this morning, just raise your hand real quick. I want to, I see that hand. Amen. Amen. I see that hand. Praise God. If you want to receive that, the Peak Community Church is a young, vibrant, life-giving church in the heart of Peekskill. Come and visit us on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. at the historic Elks Club, 1038 Brown Street. Thank you for listening.